Welcome to Envision, the podcast to travel to new terrain into the world of possibilities, where conversations with visionaries, their experience and their imagination take place. We explore ideas and desires to widen individual vision and expand the collective together. Let's imagine a new world and speak it aloud, letting that vision become our inspiration to create it. If you're here, you believe in the power of transformation. I am Aurora Morfin, and I am so grateful that you're here. So welcome to Envision, Ala. I am here today with Ala Abu Hamata. She currently identifies herself as a psychosocial researcher, a facilitator, and a therapist. She draws from her experiences in positive and somatic psychology, cognitive neuroscience, and ancient Eastern shamanic healing traditions. Her interest lies in enhancing general well-being and quality of life, traversing in depth influencing factors like religion, spirituality, cross-culture and interactions, politics, and power and rank dynamics. She strongly believes that authentic inner work life is the ultimate way to connect with our life purpose and cultivate ongoing awareness of body-mind processes for self and collective healing. And she's currently working to bridge evidence-based research with process work and work work. Welcome, Ala. Thank you so much, Aurora. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's start, you know, I usually ask my guests, how was the world from your child perspective? Mm -hmm. I know, let me tell them before, you grew up in Jordan and you have lived around the world, you know, you migrated to the United States at 18, but in the way you live in Malaysia and Pakistan and you have conducted research in other places in Africa. And so you've been all over. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, it's been it's been an amazing journey so far, you know, with many ups and downs, but it's all learning and um, I am really happy where I am today. Um, grateful for a lot of experiences. And when you ask me the question about the worldview, when I was a child and when I started realizing my existence uh, in life, it brings me back to a memory when I was in kindergarten. I was five years old and I remember that I was walking in this hallway with a lot of uh, different pictures on the walls and thinking that oh my gosh one day I'm gonna uh, I want to travel the world and I want to just do something that benefit a lot of people now as a young uh, child at five I did not know you know what that where that came from I grew up thinking that, um, you know, because culturally also, you know, many Middle Eastern families believe that children that either have to be doctors, lawyers, or engineers, and that is the value of success. This is like a, the benchmark of having a successful life. So there was no dialogue of what is potentials like, what is a, like a certain, your unique potentials like, what is your purpose of life? What is the meaning of life? So I absolutely had no discussions about that with anybody uh, when I was young. And I just knew uh, deep down that I wanted to do something. And because of that certain conditioning, I thought it has to come through being a doctor. So back then, I did not understand what healing is. It just, it was like a sensation that I, I can provide, I can give, and I just want to be there um, doing something for people. 
I, I tried to picture, but how was life for you at that five-year-old in that school? Was it a school uh, from for mix? Was it religious? Was it not? Yes, it was religious. Very good question, actually. It was um, based on an Islamic religious uh, education. Uh, so a lot of things that were taught were based on, um, you know, certain Islamic curriculum. Uh, but of course, you know, touching on other topics as well, like science and math and all, you know, the foundations that uh, a kindergartners would learn, and plus English. So I've known English also since I was uh, four. Uh, so I spoke English then. My mom used to use that a lot at home just to prepare us for the world, you know. Yeah, it takes me back, actually, just discussing about that then. And... If I just want to put that experience in one word that I would look back and understand now, I was so naive. Mm. I did not know that there's something called evilness in the, that could exist in the world, uh, something that is not peaceful, chaos, conflict. And all my communication, all my relationships, just based on wanting to connect and accept and being accepted, which of course I'll talk about it later, how that unfolded, but very pure. The world looked pure, beautiful, and full of potential. Mm. And tell us what has happened, you know, that has made you change from that perspective to where you're standing now. So I would like to touch base first on the perspective I have now a little bit compared to that. Mm -hmm. Yes, the world is uh, as much as it it can be a beautiful place to be in and part of and connect with uh, in many ways, whether be it our uh, purpose or what, what we'd like to do on how we connect with others. I look at, at it with a lot of challenges now that certain belief that something or another can happen in order for me to learn from, unfold, and move myself to a better place. That doesn't mean that I always have to go through pain and suffering, not necessarily that, but definitely we could go into uncomfortable places just to learn how to deal with that and how to learn from that. Definitely the circumstances I went through. The first thing is the, the conditioning as a, as a girl and then as a teenager girl and then a woman in a culture that looks at women as secondary citizens. It's sad for me to say that because when I talk about my personal experience, I don't mean to include necessarily everything about the culture because there's a lot of other good things as well. But it is a, a notion to bring out that what, what is talked and what is thought about, um, what people think about coming from that culture is the um, misguided information that it's actually religion that says that, you know, uh, Islam, but it's not. It's people's ideas, how they um, form certain perspectives, and that, that should be the way to go forward. It was a really tough experience growing up, being a woman there, because I... Um, yeah, it makes me really quiet sometimes, just thinking about that. Um, I was not given enough opportunities to be my full self and to get what I deserve as a human being. 
I was not looked at as a human being. I hear you. I lived in in Middle East for a while. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was a puzzle, if you don't mind asking, Mm -hmm. because I would see women, you know, all covered. I always wanted to ask, Mm -hmm. are you aware of what's going on? Because they see a world out there, but they live in a completely submissive, if you will. I don't know if that's right, the right word or not. Mm -hmm. But uh, in a world like it's keeping them small and keeping them in certain a constriction if you will so are they aware of these two words do they fight it or not or is just a way of like being safe and you better stay there it's definitely a comfort zone of what they know and to inquire about what could be better and what is authentic it, it takes a lot of courage so many people not just Middle Eastern cultures, but you know, living in different countries around the world, uh, I think it's a human nature that they just they prefer staying in a comfort zone. But we also have another nature which is connecting to our essence, and that taps in many times in our lifetime, trying to signal us to what's true and what's what's authentic. It's just a matter of learning how to connect with that, and it, I've learned it is a choice. Mm. Uh, because it happens to everybody. The opportunities and the experiences are always there for you to look inwards. Once you decide to commit to that or just give it a try to inquire, what is it really out there? What, what is it really my life about? What are my beliefs? Just a simple, meaningful inquiry without judgment, without thinking that you're the right person, without uh, b- blaming the other that they're wrong or they're uh, if, if they don't follow the, the same belief system or the same religion, that they're wrong and they're bad. But what is it really out there that can make me a better citizen in this world? Doesn't matter what my beliefs are, what my religion is, what my gender is, whether I want a woman or a man, and try to connect the dots in a way that, what is it, why am I really here? It is part of an identity as well, you know, to be, um, I'll take the Middle Eastern culture as an example. To be part of that identity means that you have to follow certain principles. And that, um, and I was one of those, by the way, it used to bring a sense of pride, a sense of like, this is who I am. This is the I that defines me and defines my existence. Mm-hmm. And from that, I used to draw so many conclusions, different perspectives that were not necessarily healthy for myself, people who live with me, the relationships I had, and also my interactions and the decisions I made in my life for myself. Yes, I hear you. And it is true that we, we always look or tend to look and I'm, I mean, I'm generalizing because so many times we do things to fit and to belong. I, I think that is an inherent need of the human. Yes. And that belonging makes us sometimes stay in places that we might not feel so comfortable, but then it's just otherwise what else, right? Or where we would go if we don't belong to these places, like how am I going to be in somewhere else? Yes, the unknown, the unknown uh, space is very scary. It's frightening to be there. And uh, 
Well, I mean, I'm just recalling on that experience when I, I didn't know that I started having courage to inquire and to see what is it really about uh, life that I deserve or what is it really about, um, you know, certain things about me, certain patterns I have to unlearn and unfold to become a better person that I would be, that I, I would start accepting of myself and also forgiving of those parts that were not necessarily helpful. I don't like to put labels into things good or bad anymore because it's not helpful. But those patterns that were not helpful and those attitudes that eventually had certain consequences to what I was in life and how my life unfolded. And, you know, it is the story for everyone in this world. Yes. So within this journey, what were the moments or what were the characteristics of the moment that make you snap out of that and, and look for something different? Very interesting. Um, definitely when I moved to the United States, I was 17. So it's, you know, still kind of a tender age for a girl and still full of life, full of energy and when I become a doctor, and uh, by the way, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> and if, if I go back in time, I wouldn't go that path. That's like when, when real life really hit. I thought that by going to school and finishing a certain degree and adding that to my identity is going to be the ultimate way to be in the world. But I failed. I failed many times when I was in college. Uh, because of certain personal circumstances, um, my conflicts with my parents and my family increased because that was kind of like a, a beginning of a breaking point from that cultural conditioning, the unhelpful cultural conditioning. Um, and uh, that was a long road of suffering, which I could not understand back then because in my mind, I, I used to think being conditioned as a woman, being told that the only way out, even if you have a degree, is to be with a man. And that man is going to be like your, your rescuer, Prince Charming, that come on a horse and you know, take you and open a house. And that's how you're going to be safe and you're going to be um, supported. So the inner message was, I cannot support myself. I cannot be independent that there are going to be certain aspects uh, that I have to have in order for me to survive in this world, whether it be having a shelter as a home or uh, being fed or just be given opportunities also in life through that source. So there was always this inner belief, very deep inner belief that I, I cannot exist if I do not attach myself to a man, to, to a supportive figure that can make me live in this world, even with education, even with degrees, and even with opportunities. It was a very dismissive belief. And that continue when uh, after a few years from constantly changing majors in, um, in college here, because the system here, you, have, you know, being a doctor, you have to finish a bachelor degree and then do a lot of volunteer work and all of that to prep you for medical school entry. And it's not guaranteed. So there was always that challenge. 
And my mental and emotional breakdown and deep depression started then. So I had to repeat so many classes. I had to repeat, I failed actually a full year and nobody knew about that. I had to go through that alone. And that was okay because that was kind of like the beginning of like, oh, life is not nice Mm. if you don't take certain decisions, um, if you don't seek support if you don't seek help and inquire why certain things are not working for me and where do i really want to go with my life so going to med school never worked because i always identified myself it's either me allah the doctor or i don't deserve anything else in life Mm. and then uh the second big breaking was when i decided to get married at age of 25 um i found my ex-husband online and me being also a middle eastern girl it was a hush hush relationship at the beginning so i could not seek support i could not seek help whether i'm making the right decision back then because i was not allowed to give myself that option to see who's that person i'm gonna be living my life with whether it's the right choice or not Do I really know that person? But girls and women that come from my culture, I mean, it's changing now, thankfully. Women have more awareness about that and about their independence and their right to choose. But yes, I didn't have that back then. It was an amazing experience in a way. Of course, it ended up with divorce after prolonging, you know, a a very dysfunctional marriage, very dysfunctional relationship for a very long time. Uh, And it was abusive as well in many ways. But I do look at it uh, this way right now because I had to go through that in order for me to wake up and see what things are, how things are real in life. So again, it's not that I'm angry at my ex-husband anymore, nor I want to have a relationship with him you know, like I cannot be friends with him. And that's, that's a personal choice as well. And that's what's best for me. But, but just an understanding that, yes, you know, when you come from a certain environment and a certain conditioning, this is, you cannot just have like a, a very intellectual person and a very open, loving person. When you yourself a codependent and you don't love yourself you don't care for yourself you're not you don't know how to provide yourself the universe will send you all kind of people that will match that so it was a lovely honeymoon honeymoon period for a few months at the beginning all the all the attention that i got that i could not give myself and then after that reality hit i ended up with another uh very severe depression where I started having actually hearing voices in my head and I could not hear loud voices. I used to stay in my room for a very long time. Uh, I couldn't meet people. I couldn't do anything. And all that happened while I was away from family support, Mm. Um, my comfort zone, which is Portland, Oregon. That's where I uh, did my bachelor's and what I have family and my my friends at that time and having a spouse who's constantly uh, ignoring you and labeling you with that you have a mental illness 
and I had my daughter also at that time and they took away my daughter because he had a fear, which I understand now that, you know, my wife is not okay. She's going insane and my child is going to get affected. So I understand what he went through as well, but also part of what I went through is because of that um, patriarchal role that he played throughout in, in the years I've spent with him. And he refused to look at that. Mm-mm. This is also part of the, um, I would say, unfortunately, how the Muslim world function today, which has nothing to do with what Islam is about. Because Islam gives a lot of value and a lot of rights to the woman, the mother, the daughter, the wife. It has a lot of rules and laws for each situation you can think of how to protect the woman. Not that the woman is weak, Mm. but just understanding that nature that we're born with, being tender and soft and that role of being a giver and, you know, how to mother things. That's our nature. And unfortunately, um, mothers and women who go through that because they don't know better, they don't know how to teach their sons at a young age how to respect women. Mm. I mean, being just married and be put in a house and giving me shelter, that, that was not respect for me. I, I did not understand that then, um, but I do now. In your inner work, and getting to this awareness that you are now, that you have now, what has helped you going into that safer place and changing your beliefs to become and to allow yourself, you know, to be that feminine energy, but also combining this strength of moving forward and just embracing all of who you are? Yes, yes. A beautiful question. It, it gives me actually goosebumps. When you ask that, and I'm about, I'm about to tear up, that's fine, I can talk. Um, I think it's about reconciliation within myself, embracing that male energy that I did not identify, I've been scared of, I've been taught to be scared of my whole life, just because my parents or the culture I come from, they think that this is the only way to survive as a woman. So although it comes from an intention of love, care, and fear for your daughter, but it was actually made me more timid and more scared of those powers, those potentials that I have within me. So the inner work process started with simple mindfulness meditation just to watch my mind Mm. and just get tuned with that and learning the non-judgmental approach to things forgiving myself. I could not forgive others for many years. Uh, But then I had misunderstanding that in order to forgive myself, I have to forgive others. But it was the other way around. And now it is about letting go and, and just being in the moment. And it's about just reconciling that energy, different energies within me and loving my feminine energy and the different, the softness and the sensitivity. I was labeled as being sensitive and I did not understand what is that? What's, what's the essence of being sensitive? What does it bring for myself and people around me? Just love, simply loving myself the way I am 
but that does not mean that I don't have courage to being inquisitive to look at myself and wanting to better myself with lots of compassion and lots of love. Yeah, I hear you. And there's a few things that I wanted to touch upon. One is about the role of forgiveness in general, how sometimes or we believe or we resist to forgive because we're expecting the other to ask for forgiveness and then we can forgive them. When in true, it's us, the only ones, I mean, doesn't mean that, you know, the other repent or not, but you are not bound to that. You are like the release and forgiveness is within you. And the one that is freeing yourself, it's you. Yes. Yes. Otherwise you're going to wait your whole life for them maybe to repent. And then really, are you living your life for yourself or for other people? That's where the question comes in. And another question comes to mind is that are you living in your business or in their business because not asking necessarily for forgiveness or not repenting or changing um you know the way they act or behave or who they are it's their own journey yes how i can contribute is what's in my control and what's in my control is my life how i go about things how i think even a thinking process can be in your control and it was just like a an amazing finding that i'm like oh i can just look at my thought and examine my thinking process and then unlearn certain uh certain beliefs and load more healthy thoughts and feelings yes that's all i can do and maybe by me doing that i'm contributing some way or another to their journey and maybe not maybe it's not the time for them yet but I cannot wait. Exactly. And also for me, it's now I know and now I see that by embracing the fullness and wholeness of ourselves, we also are given permission to others and others meaning women, men, everyone to really be in that authenticity and that essence. Yes. It is inspiring to see someone that is like fully brighting and shining into their fullness, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just reflecting from what you said about balance and how important is the balance in these feminine, masculine energies, because each of them has strengths that we both need. And it's not about being fully one or fully the other. We all, as human beings, have both. And it's just how, when we use them, in my case, for example, in my experience, Mm -hmm. growing up on this side of the world on meaning you know americas and growing in a third world uh, latin american country yes i fully developed mostly my masculine energy and i was very competitive and it got to a point that it's just like this is not sustainable you know it's just i was on the other side of the balance yeah and it has been a journey of how to embrace and how to really make a space for that feminine energy as well and just learning when to bring one or the other up front yes yes thank you for mentioning about your experience that really touches me um because i relate to that a lot and i think that used to um happen a lot with me at the beginning i'm like i'm too like i'm getting too rough and too powerful and i'm driving people away because that was kind of the beginning of me getting in touch of that like maybe calling it male energy 
is not necessarily you know the right way to uh, label it it's more of that identification with the nature of carriage the nature of stepping in and and taking things in your own hands and the feminine one is about like loving and being soft and sensitive and more relational towards yourself patient and how those two different things intermingle with each other but definitely it was really scary for me i'm like whoa i had that loud voice i could speak oh my god and also the fear of consequences of that yes at the beginning when i used to speak for myself i'm like oops i made a mistake so i used to come back really harsh with myself that okay your voice is loud a woman's voice should not be loud should not be harsh even if i'm angry i should softly say it mm. it brought a big toll on my health i got so sick uh with different body symptoms so also you know like all these experiences how it manifests in your physical body and how culturally we don't know about that yes like i just recently at the age of 35 started learning how to connect lovingly with my body that it's okay for me to have a belly little little tiny belly after being pregnant with my daughter and um uh, my body's never going to be the same as before pregnancy and embracing that and being okay with everything that i am and how i look yes 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 is there one belief or i mean we have gone a little bit over your journey and you mentioned and touched upon several beliefs but is there one belief that changed you radically or helped you shift your life yes the belief that i cannot provide for myself mm it's um i mean i've been working on that one for a few years using different tools you know process oriented psychology and energy healing and lo lots of lots of other tools but it was an extremely painful one because the world perspective from that 5 year old who saw the world is beautiful and i have infinite potentials infinite possibilities i can conquer anything to a fearful brutal place where i am scared to show who i am and my potential and even questioning my potential questioning my skills questioning my education what i can do and even the ability to have commitment to finish tasks to that smallest bits of my daily things big self doubt yes that process took a long time to come to a place where i think recently um with certain difficult life circumstances i went through from coming back to america uh 3 years ago i mean i always knew that this marriage was going to end in divorce whether i accepted it or not but then living in a third world country where women's rights are not um seen uh using the religion i'm i'm referring to islam as the um uh, decision maker where those rulings are do not exist being so scared and literally wishing to die because i i did not see a possibility out mm -hmm. and then all in a sudden coming back to america 
with my uh, six-year-old daughter then, being a single mother, uh, going through a painful divorce uh, process in an American court, which I'm like, oh my God, I'm back in America after 10 years. How to navigate this? This is so brutal. This is so scary. And then just deciding one night, I'm going to take things in my hand. That's it. I want to be free of that marriage. I'm going to be responsible for my daughter. And that was it. I think when you asked me that question, I remember that day very vividly when I went to the court and I filed those divorce papers and I seeked full custody of my daughter. So she doesn't go, have to go back and live there in Pakistan. Not, her, not that her father is bad with her. He's very loving and, and he loves her a lot and he would care for her if I, if I was not here. But it just like, no, those years are very critical for her being a woman growing up and I have to be with her in this journey, preparing her for life. And after that, I remember that time when I went to the court and I came out, I was a different person. I was like, this is it. I kind of like smelled the air very different. Like I'm, I'm free. I think I was divorced in my mind for many years because this is how like the dynamics of the relationship, uh, how things happened. But that day was, there was something else for me. I'm like, okay, now there was a different sense of joy in life. Mm. That, that doesn't mean I didn't went through a lot of hardships during the process, but that radical shift happened when I took things for the first time in my hands. Mm. It was my decision to get out. It was my decision to stay here. It was my decision with all the uncertainties that I faced and all the apprehensions and the, um, the fears that I had also judging myself still, but I stayed with it. Yes. And also I, I hear from you a lot of awareness now uh, on identifying and recognizing where you are, regardless of, you know, if it's challenging or a joyful moment, it's your awareness to really recognize and do something about it. As you said, you're choosing actively every constant moment. Yes to go and be in, in, in a place that you choose. That's right. And that comes from simply believing in your essence self, which is always there and it's always accessible. But because we cannot see it with our naked eye, like as in consensus in process work term, we, we call it consensus reality um, with like the things that you, you feel, the things that you can see, the things that you can witness, that place is limitless and it connects us to infinite possibilities. And it, it sends so many signals all the time to just say, pay attention to me. I'm telling you something. Yeah. Can you trust me? I am the best advisor. I am the wisest of all. And I can connect you to the right direction and the right decision to be made. But we just for survival reasons, we don't trust that. Mm -hmm. So just closing my eyes, I do that a lot just to help me actually go inward. It is a, it is a wonderful, simple thing that you can do just to take a breath and close your eyes and just, um, you know, start watching, just simply asking what's happening with me right now. What am I feeling? What am I thinking? 
it's not that complicated. It's not like I used to think that, oh my God, you know, like all these big mentors and spiritual speakers, and I've read like almost every single <laughs> best selling book <laughs> about uh, inner work and, um, you know, spiritual connection, many, 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 many tools. You know, it's just, it says a simple message just breathe and connect to that voice, whatever that tool is. That voice is always there. Yes. From your perspective and experience as a researcher, as a healer, how would you foresee a world where people is working in their inner life and healing? How would that look like? If you had a magic one, you know, mm -hmm. to change the world as you please, how would that look like? Mm. The first thing that comes to mind is just people embracing themselves on moment-to-moment -moment basis because we there's nothing like being perfect and reaching enlightenment that's kind of just like a, it is a false notion and I am very comfortable saying that today loud and clear because when I used to thinking that I have to heal a lot I have to fix so much and I, that I have to be so spiritual and I have to match a certain guru or a, a certain uh, you know, meditation, uh, guided meditation teacher and so on, th there is a big expectation. And it's, it's, first, it's unrealistic. And secondly, it does not exist. What exists is who you are right now. And that's all you have. And that's the time when you can make that decision. So being connected within that moment, even if you're having the worst day and you're the worst feeling ever, that you can imagine just connecting to that essence and asking the answer will be there. Mm. Yes. And also helping when I'm envisioning that, that this has to be a, a more common conversation, not just among healers, not just among therapists or people who speak, who are very well-known speakers. It has to be a very, a crucial conversations at homes, parents to their children, spouses to each other, and providing support that it's okay sometimes to not know. It's okay sometimes not to um, find the right resources for fixing something because you're meant to be here right now. And all you can do is to look at it in the moment and using the past as a teacher but not to put yourself down ever. And this is like one thing I'm so loud when I work with individuals and even couples, never ever for whatever reason, put yourself down. Even if you screwed up so much doing something bad to someone or to yourself, because that's the first step of having a non-judgmental approach to be able to look at how to go about it and what to do next. It's, it's so unhelpful. It does not feeling guilty and um, to suffer like this. It's not going to take you anywhere. It's such an unhelpful, unsupportive um, state. Yes, I guess we all need to learn to speak compassion, talk about needs, talk about feelings. It's so needed. Yeah. Yes. So to wrap up, I would ask you one last thing. Uh-huh. If I could give you a permission slip, what would give yourself permission to do? I would put 
self-awareness and even simple i would create a simple clear manual for people worldwide to look inwards and the possibilities of that yes please do it it's a needed manual do you think because you have gone and you have been in so many places in different cultures do you think working in inner life and the works of our inner life is something that it's universal absolutely that comes first before even identifying with your gender <laughs> before identifying with your culture or your religion and that's that's a global language but we just not maybe necessarily everybody or most people identify with mm. or understand yeah but but when that language is spoken somehow it does trigger things within but how do you react to it it's also your choice and how much knowledge and awareness you have yes and also for me at least in my experience it has been a key component to making me feel that i belong in this world because then you realize that it's not just you going through that yes and that's where the cross-cultural research comes in and actually my uh recent interest is how to measure that and how all these similarities connect us as people and how it's identified in certain cultures and how to make it accessible that's actually my dream to do how to make it accessible to everybody rather than just saying it's it's the people who identify with high financial rank or educational rank or certain societal rank and people who are powerful but no it can be accessible everywhere and in any language you can think of yes to that yes 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 <laughs> thank you for this conversation it was a pleasure Allah. thank you thanks aurora it was a pleasure being here and uh, just one more thing to add that i told myself that i'm not i'm usually always prepared and i'm i'm not going to prepare for this and i'm just going to trust that essence and whatever comes through that so i'm very happy and uh, thank you so much for also sharing about your experiences thank you lovely to have you ciao for now and meanwhile you are invited to envision and take action. What can you do today to create the world that you want to live in?